1: offering perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Join us now, open your heart to what God has to say to you. If you were given the task of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in another country, How would you do it? What would you use that has proven accessible and impactful as a resource? Steve and Jan Volker have worked on developing the Jesus film, the go-to resource. We pause at the beginning of our show just, just for a moment to remind you the reason we have the Good Life Radio Program is to bring you, dear friend, closer and closer to Jesus Christ. For you to want, to know the one who loves you and knows you, even as the Jesus film goes to a plethora of languages across the world. Today, the Lord calls you to himself in this language of the heart to speak to you, to remind you that God loves you so much, dear friend, that no matter what you've done, where you've been, what you're going through even right now, there is always hope in Jesus who loves you so much he died on the cross for your sins. Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross to wash your sins away. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again from the grave. And so today, the living Christ, dear one, calls you to himself even as he's touched the heart of Steve and Jan Volker Steve and Jan uh, have served with Cambridge Crusade for Christ for 30 years at Cal Berkeley Portland State and together at Stanford University for nearly two decades they've worked with the Jesus film project a film that has been translated into 1000 673 languages, making it the tool of choice for over 1,500 mission agencies and denominations to plant churches internationally. They join us today. Steve and Jan, welcome to our show. Thank you. Tell me, Steve, where did you grow up?
2: I was born in Vancouver, Washington. My parents moved to eastern Washington and um, it was kind of a leave it to beaver, kind of a time of life, you know, in the 50s. And uh, so most of my growing up years was um, in the in the Tri-Cities, but then we moved back to uh, Vancouver and finished high school there. And um, so that's primarily where I grew up.
1: How about you, Jan?
3: I grew up in San Jose, California, and uh, back when it was the Valley of Blossoms and farming, and I grew up with San Jose.
1: So, Steve, how did you become a Christian?
2: Mm, great question. Well, for 21 years, I knew all about Christ, but I never really knew him. I uh, went to church and Sunday school and vacation Bible school. and, and um, But in the end of my high school time, um, you know, I decided to go my own independent way. And it wasn't until right before my junior year in college, or my, before my senior year in college, I remember looking up a friend of mine who seemed to have a different brand of Christianity than I had, and I wasn't really sure what it was. So I looked him up that summer. And um, he invited me to a, uh, a church, actually it's a, a mixed church. It was a uh, African-American church, but a lot of uh, white people going going uh, to that church as well in downtown Portland. And uh, on Friday night, it was packed with half African-American, half white. And um, I remember after one service one time, talking to somebody – who uh, we ran into a friend of ours uh, who actually had just turned away from drugs, and um, he had uh, flushed it down the toilet. And I was intrigued by his testimony. And um, I was with my friend Rick, who had invited me to this to this event. And um, right, I made a comment about his changed life, and right away, a woman that was staying standing there said uh, and asked me, "Well." Uh, would you like to ask Christ in your life? And I said, I kind of said yes. And then she said, um, well, would you like to kneel down right here and uh, ask Christ in your life? And this was a cross from the Civic Auditorium. At the time, they call it the Four Courts Fountain. It's called something else now. So I kind of gulped and I said, okay. And uh, so I knelt down right there, and uh, I asked Christ in my life. And uh, that was in 1970, right before my senior year in college.
1: What do you think happened? What do you think happened, Steve, when you knelt down? Uh, was, was there something about your posture that was reflective of what was going on in your heart? Uh, it strikes me uh, that you just knelt right there.
2: Yeah, it was, um, you know, it's kind of funny. As I think back. Um, I remember a ninth grade teacher saying, "Is a non-Christian as far as I know, but he said, uh, you know, the decisions you make between the ages of, uh, 18 and 22 will largely determine the course of the rest of your life. And, um, it's funny that would go through my mind right then, but I was really mm-hmm. afraid that maybe I never would mm-hmm. make that decision. And, um, so... You know, I knew, like I said, I knew about Christ, but I never really knew him in a personal relationship. And so that is, um, that was the missing piece in my own life as a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
4: Danny, could I jump in and say, how about that for a divine appointment? A lady standing next to him. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> Jen, who influenced you? I, I do want to... Hear about uh, how you came to the Lord too mm-hmm. but who influenced you most in your growing up years there in San Jose really
3: it was my mom I'm just a dear uh, believer in a very quiet way just brought us up to be good people and yet for me she influenced me and and I looked up to her a lot but when I went away to college I was at UCSB, and I, you know, that's a party school. So I got caught up in some of that. And my dad didn't ever allow us to pray in our home, and we never went to church. So I didn't know very much about God. But halfway through my college years, um, I broke up with my boyfriend, who had been a college boyfriend, and it was devastating. Because I thought this was the guy I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And my life was empty. And so at that time, my brother John was at UCSB also and was in a big room in his dorm when all these students poured in. And this very exciting man named Josh McDowell came in and spoke on evidence for the resurrection. So my brother John was impacted to receive Christ as his personal Savior, and he became so alive and happy and loving, I began to watch his life, and that's how I ended up being intrigued that maybe it's not just some doctrine. I was a religious studies minor, so I'd been studying Hinduism, Buddhism, meeting the Bodhisattvas there, and really getting into there must be some other answer to life. And my brother had found it, and I saw his life change. He was a different person when he received Christ living inside him. So thankfully, I met uh, a Campus Crusade for Christ staff woman, uh, Jan Vanderveen, and her husband, Art, an awesome Bible teacher. And I realized Jesus really did die for me, and he wanted to come into my life and actually change my life and lead me. So my whole life changed so radically. I was going to become a teacher. I was doing my student teaching, and I decided, Lord, you're calling me to help girls on college campuses to find this life change and following you that's eternal life starting right then. And so I went on staff with Campus Crusade right after that.
1: So you went on staff with uh, Campus Crusade. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, known as Crew today, right? Right. Um, the short form, the kids, the, short, the kids <laughs> named that.
3: Okay. We're going to Crew. <laughs> oh,
1: now, Steve, I I didn't ask about your the, the influence in your early years, but could you share a little bit about that, and then we'll tie it together and how you met.
2: Hm. You know, I in thinking about that. Um, I remember going through catechism as a kid, and um, the pastor, I was probably 12 or 13, said, you know, Steve, you uh, might want to consider going into ministry. And I laughed out loud. And I I didn't say much, but I never really thought about that since, you know, it was many years later when I reflected on that brief comment. But um, and then I think uh, the person that uh, that I'd mentioned briefly that had an impact on my life was um, Rick, who, uh, you know, he had some kind of a, uh, there's something different about his Christianity than, than mine. So I ended up, um, he was the person I looked up, mm-hmm. you know, just before I would become a Christian. And so he had a, he was instrumental in leading me to the Lord. So uh, I have to say that that uh, Rick had a real, very powerful influence in my life.
1: Well, you certainly, both of you have certainly influenced uh, Mm. many lives Mm. at at a a critical time in life uh, during the college years. And it's, for me, I think about the kind of impact that you have had in the, the, the generations of spiritual impact of lives being touched by the love of Christ through the lives whom you have touched. When we come back from our break, uh, one question certainly does remain, at least at this point, and that is, uh, how did Steve and Jan meet? How did you meet? So let's talk about that when we come back from our break. Steve and Jan Volker, they have spent uh, decades of their lives working with college students, uh, students with, with very bright, brilliant minds and yet meeting a need of the soul, spiritually through Jesus Christ and the film project Jesus Film Project worldwide. Stay with us, we'll be back with more
4: Wandering the road of desperate life aimlessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me
1: I leave. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team That's drdanny.live. Thank you.
0: Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today.
1: Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co host, Suzanne Maurer please enjoy steve how did you and jan meet
2: (laughs) that's a good question you know i can't think of a better place to meet your spouse than on uh, staff with crew because uh she was already on staff i was already on staff and so both of us had a real heart to uh, serve the lord and um actually i was in the music ministry at the time and uh we were traveling through portland we were um there, and uh, we were singing, and Jan gave her testimony. I asked the uh, director for her phone number, and uh, our first date was at uh, Washington Park in Portland, Oregon, and uh, it, um, yeah, and took about four years later until we finally got married, but um, it was, uh, yeah, I, you know, I when I, uh, I didn't tell her this, and I'd even forgotten about it, but after our first date, I heard this little voice. I I don't really hear voices, but I mean, I heard this little voice. You're going to marry that woman, and uh, it turned out to be true. I uh, I really had forgotten about it at the time, and uh, I never told her that before we got married. But and uh, so it was um, without a doubt the second best decision I ever made. The first being, you know, when you received Christ. So uh, that's kind of real briefly the story.
4: Danny, do we get to find out from Jan why it took four years? I wish you could <laughs> see the expression on Jan's face as he's explaining this.
3: <laughs> well, as, as he said, we were on Staff Crusade, and he was stationed at Berkeley. I was stationed at Portland State, so we were very far away, and we'd see each other in the summertime. And uh, the exciting thing for me was that God was leading our relationship all along because we were so far apart. But I kept thinking of him and he kept thinking of me. So we started dating one summer and uh, really realized maybe there really is something there. And then Steve felt strongly that he wasn't going to get married unless God was really showing him. So we had a break at that point and of course, to have a man say that I'm really following God, and I want to marry you, but I'm going to wait till God shows me, made me fall in love with him even more. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, well, the next summer, <laughs> next summer, next summer, we just reconnected and realized that time. Steve said, "I'm not going to leave my Bible." One morning, he said, "I'm not going to leave my Bible." Until God actually leads me and indicates like in first John chapter one, He leads us. The Holy Spirit moves. And thankfully, Steve listened and then I was ready to get married too. Very glad. We've had forty two years together.
4: Wonderful. We just celebrated
2: wow. forty two years in June, so that was pretty exciting.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you were on the Cal Berkeley campus and Portland State campus, and then together, well, how did you come together through marriage to work at Stanford?
2: Well, that's a pretty simple answer. I was asked to go to Stanford and um, by the leadership and uh, to be the director there, so that's how that
3: happened. And we had a team of about 10 full-time staff, just awesome People. What a great experience that was, because as we were kind of kicking off, uh, restarting Campus Crusade there, it had been a little bit l- slowed down after Jim Stump was gone for two or three years. And then we came, and it was just an exciting experience. We started out, Steve had us all go to the top of Hootow, which is Hoover Tower. We had all-night <laughs> prayer, and we did prayer walking around the campus. Uh, just a few students and and our staff team and as that year went on by the end of three or four years we had something like 140 students in discipleship groups mm. where they were committed to follow Jesus and start their own discipleship group teaching others to be multiplying disciples and reaching out so it was a very exciting time and that's where we met Darren Mauer and at that's
4: Stanford. what God's using him Today in Houston is discipleship. So thank you for such a good start. <laughs>
1: yeah. How important is a discipleship when we think about uh, Campus Crusade or Crew? Uh, m- m- some may think of it as evangelistic, an evangelistic ministry. But how how important is discipleship uh, when it comes to uh, an evangelistic? Thrust.
2: Well, very important. Uh, you know, the main command, the Great Commission, some people call it the Great O mission, but it's uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Um, many people, I remember asking in this, in a class that I was uh, just kind of substitute teaching in a Christian college, and I asked the students, you know, what is the main command there? Go or make disciples? And I had people raise their hand. There's only one person that raised their hand that it was make disciples. Everybody else raised their hand that the main command was go. But actually, the main command in the uh, in the Greek there is actually make disciples, which involves, of course, going, baptizing, and teaching. So um, to answer your question is very important. First of all, it's the command. And then secondly, um, it's the process, the entire process of maturation of a life, you know, starting out with... Um, uh, growing in their own walk with the Lord, uh, the importance of prayer, so forth. So, um, you know, all that is extremely important. So,
3: And I add in that as staff members, that is the critical piece is discipling win, build, and send. And it's been exciting since now we work with the Jesus Film Project overseas at many of the places where the unreached people are. We don't ever show a Jesus film without making sure there's staff behind, staying behind to disciple and build multiplying disciples and build a church. Youthful fellowship, older group in a fellowship, and a church. So that's discipleship is critical to everything we do. Go and make disciples, teaching them everything I taught you. I
1: want to go on to the Jesus Film project, but just one more, one more thought on discipleship and on the college campus. Specifically, let's let's talk about Stanford. What experiences with students, uh, the students, uh, live on in your memory when it comes to the critical piece of discipleship? Mm-hmm. I'll
3: start with just one student who came to know Christ really through being on that campus of Stanford, teacher after teacher would talk against the Bible and talk against Jesus in the classroom. And so she finally got into a math class where some teacher was going on and on spending time telling how the Bible isn't true, Jesus isn't true. It made her think there must be something about Jesus. Well, she ended up receiving Christ and she joined my discipleship group, and I could see that, you know how Second Timothy says, the things you've learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, you know, these entrust faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And she was a faithful woman, and she was able to teach. She was Phi Beta Kappa from Stanford. And so, I, you know, we, as we did with everyone in our discipleship group, she it, it's just an impact where she just picked up everything. And thankfully, it wasn't me. It was the Lord himself living inside her, the abiding in Christ and the Holy Spirit strongly within her, where she started leading a discipleship group and helped her girls to start discipleship groups. And it was so prolific and so exciting to see the changed lives of these girls who'd have wine and cheese parties and we'd come to share Christ. They didn't know him, but that's what they did at Stanford. It was in the dorms. And then people would come to know Christ and their whole lives would change. Or in a sorority, they'd just have a gathering. And Andrea was big into that. Um, She was growing as a disciple of Christ. And then she felt led to go on staff with Crew after graduation And has been in Hungary ever since. Wow. When she and her husband were on staff with Crusade. And now they've planted a church north of Budapest. And it's growing, growing. Uh, Women's Bible studies. All the things that she learned on Stanford. She's put into practice. Not only in campuses. But now, you know, 20 years later as a pastor's wife. there in Hungary.
2: And married Hungarian as well. Yeah. You know, when I uh, think about that, I thought of a student that uh, – uh, well, I actually, I've had several students contact me several years after being there. I mean, 20 years later. And um, one student that uh, came by, and he was in our area, and he visited us, and, and uh, he had become a doctor. He had received Christ with me at Stanford. Um, I uh, asked him, you know, the classic question, if you were to die tonight – uh, he reminded me, I asked him this, I, I don't remember asking him this, but he said, "If you were to, I asked him, if you were to die tonight, are you certain you'd go to heaven? And that was the question that got him thinking, and he uh, he said, no, I'm not certain. So he, he received Christ. And uh, he was a freshman at the time, so I was able to uh, spend several years with him. And he became a doctor, And um, and when I just saw him maybe a few years ago, he had just Retired as a doctor, and now he is uh, going in and out of Africa, training other physicians, um, uh, surgery, and so forth. And so, it's um, pretty exciting, you know, to see uh, students that have, uh, you know, they're continuing on walking with the Lord and having an impact. And um, uh, it's—I have to say—one of my passions is change lives, and, and it's fun to see. Lives that are changed and I just have a little teeny part you know in that
1: Steve and Jan Volker have well you've heard about Andrea who now lives in Budapest Hungary as a, a church planter and her husband uh, they're leading and changing lives for the cause of Christ in the name <laughs> of Jesus and a doctor as Steve recollects uh, the time spent with him, and and that doctors changed life, and now the continuation overseas. Well, they're involved in a work that's uh, prolific in terms of uh, impact all over the world with the Jesus Film Project. When we come back, we'll find out from Steve and Jan Volker, how did God lead them in this way? Now we're talking about nearly 20 years of work with the Jesus Film Project. Steve has traveled to 39 countries in Asia, Africa, and Europe. He's also pastored a church in Solvang, California. There's more to his story, their story, Steve and Jan, and they'll share more heart-to-heart with you, dear friend. So glad you're with us. Stay with us now. We'll be right back
4: wandering the road of desperate life aimlessly beneath the barren sky leave it to me
2: On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. Well, have you seen it? Have you seen the Jesus film? Uh, If you have, you know the impact that it, it has had on you, and you can only imagine, as I can, the impact that it's having on people all over the world in many different languages. And we have Steve and Jan Volker with us today, our guests. They have worked with the Jesus film project for nearly two decades. Steve Volker... Graduated from the University of Washington. He earned his bachelor's degree in business and a Master of Divinity from Western Seminary As I said before the break he traveled to 39 countries in Asia, Africa and Europe Pastored a church in Solvang, California and for six years did that and owned an insurance agency for ten Steve is with us with his uh, your wife Jen, and thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about the Jesus Film at jesusfilm.org dot org. Again, the Jesus uh, Jesusfilm.org dot org, dot org. So, Steve, Jen, how how did the Lord, or when did the Lord begin to lead you uh, to work with the Jesus Film Project?
2: We went to a brief, what we call a briefing, and there there were several international speakers and uh, the, the founder of the Jesus Film Project, Paul Escherman, was speaking. And um, it was such a powerful time for us that um, we knew that this is where God was leading us. And um, it just the impact that it's having worldwide, it, it was just... Uh, I don't know how to put it in words, but we just felt just a total peace, both of us, um, you know, coming on and joining this ministry.
3: It was amazing because it was originally our high school daughter who was in a Bible study with a businessman from the Folsom, Sacramento area who had gone on a trip to Albania with the Jesus Film Project, which is what we do now. But back in those days, we didn't know. But our daughter kept saying, Mom. Dad, you've got to see this Jesus film. My Bible study leader went to Albania, and they led all these people to Christ, and the minister of education came to Christ, and now they have the Jesus film in all the schools of Albania. You've got to find out about it. So that was when, as Steve said, we were invited to a briefing, and when we got there, we were both kind of like John Wesley had that warm, strong Holy Spirit leading inside. We both had that. In fact, I even saw my husband weep. And that doesn't happen that often. But the Holy Spirit truly touched us, that this was our new place to serve.
1: Why do you feel the Jesus film is so impactful?
2: I think for several reasons. Number one, it's um, right out of the Word of God. It's, it's um, based on the Gospel of Luke. And then, secondly, it's visual. Um, much of the world uh, can't read or write. Uh, matter of fact, two, mil- two billion people cannot read or write. Uh, they're illiterate. Um, one billion people have uh, never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, and thirdly, it's in their heart language. It's um, I remember uh, being in a small room where someone had just come back from uh, country Kazakhstan, and um, even though they understood Russian from their prior, you know, regime there, um, they really didn't watch the Jesus film. They, you know, their viewpoint was uh, it's for Russians; it's not for us. But when it was translated into their heart language, Kazakh, they they uh, responded um greatly and they they said you know jesus not only for russians they're also for me and for us so it had a significant impact and um so that is that is the big big reason um you know we've seen it presented uh in large screens in africa and and uh sitting out under the stars and on a log and and uh it's dark because there aren't any lights out there in the remote part of Africa. And, and uh, you know, most of the village comes out and people, you know, so many of these people have never even seen a film. And they see it presented that way and they respond, you know, it's just amazing to see it. We've also seen it in uh, home churches in uh, China with only maybe 20 people and and, uh, and a little tiny TV screen, and um, I remember one time we were there, and a home church had invited their neighbors, and and uh, four people had indicated they received Christ, and um, the pastor who hosted asked me to do the initial follow-up, but he was there to follow up with these people. So it's uh, done in many different ways, and um, it's just, you know, it's a very, very powerful film, again, because it's the Word of God, it's visual, and it's their heart language
1: let's talk a little bit about the 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 strategy that's implemented you mentioned earlier that there are there's there's always staff there before the showing uh what happens when the showing takes place and what happens afterwards
2: well it's not only staff because we partner with i mean obviously no one organization it's kind of fulfill the great commission in, in this generation or any generation it's in cooperation with many organizations so it's not only with caps crusade or uh with crew but it's also with um over 1500 denominations and agencies that are using it and um so it's not just you know one organization so the question was um what happens is that what you're saying is that yeah. what your question mm-hmm. um well again it depends on where you're at you know like in africa uh, the film teams, like for example, um, I remember uh, a church that had adopted a people group financially and then I asked the pastor if he'd be interested in going there. And so they had funded a translation of a film in um, in Nigeria. And so uh, we took the senior pastor and um, several people in the church to Eastern Africa and um, there were five film teams there already trained and ready to go. So uh, we split up into five groups every night for three nights. So we, you know, show them 15 times in three nights. And, um, you know, it's not unusual for maybe kids to be sitting on the ground right there, and the adults initially might be standing in the rear, you know, and just checking it out, see what's going on. And then, um, you know, in this one situation, I remember there were. Um, probably, I think there were about 500 people that had come. And uh, out of that, there were about, uh, in this situation, I'm thinking about about 300 people that actually indicated to receive Christ. And then at the very end, there's an opportunity to receive Christ, um, you know, an invitation to receive Christ. And then they'll turn the lights on. It's all done with generators. There's no electricity out there. And then the person hosting it will invite one of the film team member or uh, the partnering ministry will invite them to come forward and uh and then that's where the follow up process begins and um I'll never forget on another trip actually in another part of Nigeria oh excuse me it was not Nigeria it was in it was in Kenya um he had a small little church uh there and uh where this was shown and uh just a hut you know mud you know dirt floor and Thatch roof and mud side walls there and a straw and so forth. His, his, he, he, you know, when people had, from the people that come forward to receive Christ, he said, I'll never forget his eyes. They were just brilliant. And he said, I'll, he said, I easily doubled my church, you know, <laughs> this evening. And his eyes were brilliant. I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, I'll never forget the expression on his face and his eyes.
4: Steve, help s- us know the process of translation, please.
2: Well, the pre- the translation we'll send out. Uh, first of all, it begins with the script, and um, and this is uh, you know done through. Uh, we've got a strong partnership with, for example, with Wycliffe and uh, the Wycliffe Bible translators, and so um, and then others. So, a script for the film itself, and uh, will be done. And then uh, uh, we have a film traveling team that will be sent out to go to these. You know, all the easy places of the world have been done. Now it's often very difficult places of the world. And um, they have some real portable, sophisticated uh, equipment where they can record it. And they'll have voices of, um, you know, Matthew and Jesus and John the Baptist and so forth and uh, they'll put up in a little room they might prop up some mattresses for soundproofing somewhat, and, and they all become those voices. And uh, then they have software that are able to, um, you know, make the, make the uh, language put, fit together, you know, with, with what they've done. For example, if it, if it was originally done with a three-syllable word in English, then they'll try to find as closely as possible a three-syllable word in that language. But it doesn't always work out quite that way. But, you know, it doesn't, uh, you know, so it doesn't look like one of those old Japanese films where, you know, the lips are moving and something else is going on. You know, they did a really good job in getting it all together. And, you know, this is all taken back to our studio in Orlando with some uh, with sophisticated uh, equipment where they could put all this thing together. So, uh, and then once the master is done, of course, then you could reproduce it many times, and and then uh, this is all, you know, given to freely given to organizations all over the world, and um, and also the film teams, the Jesus film team teams that uh, we have through crew. So uh, that's kind of the kind of the beginning process.
4: So, Danny, I think you mentioned earlier. The film has been translated into 1,683 different languages? Uh, seven,
2: yeah, 1,673. I mean, we're pu- pushing. It's more than that now. I think uh, it's getting closer and closer to 1,700. But wow. th- the number is you know, constantly changing. So,
3: mm-hmm. And also the women's film, Magdalena, is the story of five women from the Bible. And it, once again, word for word from the Bible, how Jesus treats women. We originally translated it for women of the Middle East to see how Jesus respects and loves the women at the well, the women with the issue of blood, Magdalena, of course. And it's been very powerful in the Middle East. And there's a follow-up film called Rivka that has gone all over. As it turns out, everyone loves the women's film. We mm-hmm. use it in the United States, and we use it in in places all over the world, in their children's films as well as following Jesus Africa, following Jesus India. Tell
4: us about the app, please.
3: Well, yes. It's now um, on an app on everyone's iPhone, Android, any phone can go to their app store and download Jesus Film Media, and it's every one of our films are on there. So all 1,700 of the different languages are there, All the ones for women, children, follow-up films, including short films that are redemptive themes that have won prizes, you know, as top films. We have many of those on there that are conversation starters. Mm. And we found in our parks or just meeting people around the United States, people from all different countries are just always interested. Almost everyone is so interested. Oh, you speak Amharic from Ethiopia. I think I have a film. And so the Jesus film is also cut into clips for people if they want to do it that way. So I sometimes show the miraculous catch of fish. Mm-hmm. And they just see a two-minute clip, and they're introduced to Jesus, and they'll be willing to just find out more. And that's a free app. It's a free app, and mission or organizations use it all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I think those two illustrations that steve used we've been in so many countries where every time they show the jesus film they're always the teams from that country in crew there we have twenty five thousand staff most of them are not white mm-hmm. most of them are internationals and they know the country they know the language they've lived there and so they stay behind and plant the church mm-hmm. we've been able to be a part of After they show the film the next morning, the first church service starts.
1: JesusFilm.org and JesusFilm Media is the app, correct? Yes, yes. Well, when we come back from our break in our final segment, we'll talk more with uh, Steve and Jan Volker. uh, Perhaps you're going through some things right now. Hey, life uh, is not easy. Even in ministry, there are times when challenges uh, come upon missionaries, ministers, people who devote their lives to the work of Christ. Uh, Perhaps Steve and Jan could share a little with us. And as they do, I'm believing, trusting that the Lord through them will speak to your heart. Because the Lord knows, dear friend, what you're facing right now, what you're feeling at this very moment. And he sends the Volkers to share the love of Jesus with you. Stay with us. We'll be back. Wandering
4: the road of desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky, leave it to me.
1: What can we learn about evangelism? Danny Yamashiro here. Rebecca Manley Pipper wrote in her book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. I once asked a woman if she felt comfortable about evangelism. Oh yes, she responded. I do it twice a week. Somehow it sounded more like taking multiple vitamins. Evangelism isn't just something you do out there and then get back to normal living. Evangelism involves taking people seriously, getting across to their island of concerns and needs, and then sharing Christ as Lord in the context of our natural living situations. For more inspiration on evangelism, go to drdanny.live.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. For nearly two decades, uh, the Volkers, Steve and Jan, have worked with the Jesus Film Project. It's a film that's been translated uh, using the words of Christ, the words of Scripture, uh, to, to in, 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 in film form, in movie form, that's been translated into 1,673 Languages and counting, Uh, yeah, right, going up to 1700 and counting, making it the tool of choice for over 1500 mission agencies and denominations to plant churches internationally. Find out more about Steve and Jan, JesusFilm.org, and JesusFilm Media that's the app. You can uh, gain access to this, and all the resources are available for you. Uh, Jan and Steve, how has the Lord helped you recently through uh, challenging times? Well, I think um,
3: we are grandparents now. And so, and being a mom and a grandma, often the hardest times are when our children are going through hard times. And so I can think of just not too long ago when our daughter was really struggling and also even in high school when she was really struggling. That causes me to struggle. And there's the darkness that comes and the sadness of concern and worry. And the one thing I found, even years of being a counselor, there are some good answers there. Counselors are great but I'll never forget when I was going through my hardest time, which is when my kids were teenagers. (laughs) I'll go back to that. I was depressed. I was, I could tell I could diagnose myself. I was getting anxiety and I was reading my Bible and trying to follow the word and it wasn't working. And so a friend just turned to me and said, remember, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I give you rest for my soul, for your soul. And that's throughout the years, that deep abiding in Christ and coming to him alone, not trying to do it myself, not becoming a mature Christian, but literally surrendering all yielding and knowing then the experience of Christ in me, the hope of glory, him alone. And then what a difference. And during that teenage years, all my friends knew it. I'm usually real bouncy and outgoing. And our Sunday school class was having an event where I could barely do my part as a cheerleader for the beach boys in our Sunday school class we were doing this event but over that week is when I let it all go came to Christ alone to abide in Christ and one of the times when I got deeper in that where Jesus himself you just open the door and he comes in and takes over Mm -hmm. they could see a difference in my life I was back to the sparkle in my eye the joy the hope and the belief of God's presence with me. And throughout the years, that's still getting deeper and experiencing, it's not me at all. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So in those times of struggle with teenagers, they came through and they, God was with them. But now, even as my grandchildren are growing up, I, once again, it's, okay, Lord, I yield it all and let mm-hmm. you take over. And he overcomes. And I just follow him in his train of victory because I can't do it. But he does.
1: Steve, in, in, a, in a time like this, uh, someone maybe, uh, as, as they listen to Jan, their heart resonates with what she's sharing. Uh, could you lead in a prayer? We've got about a minute left mm. uh, to pray for a dear friend that's listening right now who's hurting, who's in need.
2: Mm. Father, we go before you. We just thank you for you care for us deeply. Each one of us. You created us in your image. And you care for our, our heart. It is our heart. And Lord, I pray for people who are going through a very difficult time, no matter it's so many things. Children, their selves, addictions, um, alcoholic addictions, sexual addictions. Um, and Lord, we just lift them up before you, knowing that you're the only one that changes and gives us peace and changes to your to your image and the person that you want us to be, not necessarily who we want to be, but who you want us to be. Father, minister deeply. You're a compassionate God. I just thank you for that, that uh, you reach down to each one of us in the deepest recesses of our heart and to lift us up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Tender words, and I'm grateful for you, Steve and Jan, for sharing your heart with us, your life and ministry. Thank you. Thank you. Inspiring words from Steve and Jan Volker, Jesusfilm.org. My friend, God's timing is perfect, and there's no better time than right now to share the love of Christ with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, hey, I believe this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Jesus. Go to drdanny.live for next steps and resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Psalm 105, verse 1, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Steve and Jan Volker, JesusFilm.org. Until next time, along with my producer, David Nasora, creative director, Brian Torres, web designer, Sheena Kusumoto, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi, I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with
0: someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life.